to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of January 8, 2017. Happy New Year, everyone. We have a number of announcements for you this week, so we're going to move quickly through them here on page one and then bring you two exciting guests on page two and three. First, Kelly Gask from the Alexandria office of the American Council of the Blind posted a reminder message on December 28 about ACB's scholarship program. The scholarship program is accepting applications for the 2017-2018 academic year. ACB annually awards approximately 20 scholarships ranging in amounts from $1,000 to $4,000 to vocational, entering freshman, undergraduate, and graduate college students who are legally blind, maintain a 3.3 GPA or above, and are involved in their school and local community. If you're interested in applying or know someone who is, please visit www.acb.org slash scholarship dash application or contact D Thien, T-H-E-I-E-N, by phone at 612-332-3242 or by email at dthien at acb.org for more information. All application materials must be received by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on February 15, 2017. Scholarship winners also have the opportunity to attend the ACB National Convention. This year, the convention is in Reno, Nevada from June 30 until July 7. The next announcement also involves scholarships and comes from Jim Wyrick with the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. It was posted on December 30. The Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, CCLVI, annually awards three scholarships in the amount of $3,000 each to one full-time entering freshman, undergraduate, and graduate college student who are low vision, maintain a strong GPA, and are involved in their school and local community. The application process opens January 1 at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Time, and the materials must be received by March 1 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Scholarship funds will be awarded for the upcoming 2017-2018 academic year. To read the scholarship guidelines and complete an online application, please visit scholarship.com cclvi.org slash main dash content. Questions concerning the CCLVI scholarship may be directed to 800-733-2258 or scholarship at cclvi.org. Next, we have information concerning two iPhone apps. The Uber app's new version is now available, and we're pleased to report that the schedule button is once again available and accessible. If you don't find it on the opening screen when you bring up the app, 
flick left or right with one finger in order to find the schedule button. There also is a new service, or maybe not quite so new, but new to at least the Louisville area, called Postmates, P-O-S-T-M-A-T-E-S. Postmates is a delivery service that will pick up orders from restaurants and other areas. Uh, the app is Postmates, P-O-S-T-M-A-T-E-S. It's a free app downloadable from the App Store. I'm not sure if it's available in Android, but it probably is. The app is accessible, and it gives you an opportunity to order from restaurants that are within the delivery area in your area. You can charge the order to your credit card. The driver picks up the order and delivers it to you in a timely manner. Be sure and download the app and give it a try. We understand that it is available in a number of areas throughout the country. Do you like audio described programming and movies? Many people do. And there's a lot of information available on the ACB audio description website. In 2016, the site averaged about 12,000 hits a month. And it brings you information on DVDs and Blu-rays that are audio described, Netflix programming, programming available through the iTunes store, and on TV. For all things audio description, visit the ADP website at www.acb.org slash ADP. Tristan Parsons became the interim principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind at the end of July 2016. He visited with the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association just over a week after that appointment, and he gave a great presentation to the alumni. Tristan visits with us on page two. You'll have a chance to get to know him, and you'll see how interested he is in the children at the school and in making the school a better place for children to attend. On December 20, new regulations went into effect concerning the accessibility of TV set-top boxes and other related equipment. Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, visited with the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout this past Friday, January 6, by iPhone, and he made opening comments and answered questions related to this high-interest area. We bring you an edited version of Tony's presentation on page 3. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. We have a new guest on Soundprints today. His name is Tristan Parsons, and those of you who were at the 2016 reunion of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association have already met Tristan. He is the interim principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind. He came at the end of July and he is just a very warm and wonderful person to be leading the school at this time. Welcome Tristan. Thank you Carla. I really appreciate being here with you. 
Tristan, introduce yourself first of all to our listeners, most of whom were not at the alumni reunion. Some of them are um, living throughout Kentucky. A number of our listeners are around the country and are very interested in Schools for the Blind. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk some about how you've uh, found KSB to be in the last four or five months. All right. So... First off, I want to thank you for having me today. I really appreciate being asked. Um, and I also really appreciate being invited to the KSB um, alumni meeting back in, I think it was August. Yes. Oh, and you'd only been there a week and a half, <laughs> and you came to talk to us on a Friday night, and I'm telling you, it was wonderful. We, I had a, I had a great time meeting and fellowshipping with everybody, and the food was great, and the company was even better. So, um, <laughs> you know, I look forward to hopefully maybe getting to come back again this year in, in some well, shape or fashion, you whether can you know. <laughs> consider yourself invited. I love it. Um, so I am originally from Prestonsburg, Kentucky, in far eastern Kentucky. It's about three and a half hours east of Louisville. We're closer to West Virginia and Virginia than we are the rest of, of oh, the state. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I was a teacher in Floyd in the Floyd County school system there for twelve years, and um, then I made a move to the Kentucky Department of Education as a, an exceptional children consultant. Um, working with special education program across the state and school districts and providing support and technical assistance um, to the school districts and directors of special education um, for, the, for about two and a half years. And then in July, I received an uh, invitation to come and be the interim. Uh, I was asked to come and be the interim principal here at the Kentucky School for the Blind by Commissioner Pruitt. And I was just like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> sounds like a wonderful job opportunity. So I was, um, that was on like a... I don't know, Wednesday or something, and I was here two days later at 2 o'clock to meet everybody. So it was a pretty quick transition, and school was starting August 14th for open house, and that was my birthday. And so that's how I got to spend my 39th birthday was, was having open house here at KSB. So it was a really it was a really quick transition, but it was also a real neat one too, and, and, and got to meet the parents and the kids and introduce myself to them, and, and uh, we've just been trucking along ever since. Well, when you came to the alumni reunion, you talked about several things that um, I mean, you were you were very new. You hadn't even had a day of school yet because that reunion was on August five. But you talked about some things that you felt were important. But sometimes the little things are important too. And I remember you talking that night about food. Now, some people would say, you know so what but you talked about you know the kids well, the kids are going to have a good breakfast and they're going to have we're going to have a, a great dinner and I mean all of these things that 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 really um I think made an impression on a lot of people there and I, I know that probably some listeners are sitting there saying well why are you saying this and and I think part of it is because um that that was uh you know, the, the, they they were kind of just eating, I guess, almost government issue kind of stuff for the most part. I don't know what's happened, you know, day to day, week to week in that category, but I know that the um, our Louisville Downtown Lions Club just had its Christmas party 
there that we've been doing for the last 60-some years. And um, I didn't make it to the party, but my husband Adam did. And he said that the, the meal was great, and it was prepared by the food center staff. And, and you know, that's the first time in many years, Tristan, that that has happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, he said it was really, really nice. Well, tell us about um, just just your um, how, how you see uh, this type of school with with kids. You know, kids. This is a residential school. Um, they come for a variety of reasons: sports, academics, whatever. So, just give us a little bit of a little look into how you. You, you see school for, for this group of kids? Well, I think we really have, you know, we are the state resource on blindness and low vision across the state. So mm-hmm. not only do we serve the kids here on campus, but we also have the short course program that operates um, at two-week intervals 12 times a year that has um, different themes and different um, subjects they touch upon during that short course period that we get kids from all over the state um, come and enjoy that and, and that because they may not you know need to have full residential placement or um, the school district can meet their individual needs um, as the art committee sees fit so um, you know kids to me it, it's not hard to be good to kids so whether we look at the dinner situation or we look at you know providing high quality instruction or you know giving high fives or pats on the backs or telling them you know you've done a great job you know that to me that that's easy um what's kind of hard is trying to pull it all together and make it happen <laughs> uh, that's but it takes you know we work as a team and it's a team effort all the way from um commissioner Pruitt all the way down to you know everybody here on campus we you know come together and do what's best for kids so it's just figuring out you know where we're wanting to go what we're wanting to do and then and then put the the proper things in place to make that happen mm-hmm. so you know do we want you know high academics yes we want high quality you know rigorous academics we want um to go and look at you know every child here has an individual education plan an IEP and we want to make sure that we're fully implementing that according to their individualized needs and look at each child as a whole and you know to make sure they're getting the academics to make sure they're getting the supplemental services such as orientation and mobility or physical therapy or speech pathology or um, occupational therapy so to make sure that they're getting all those things and have access to the expanded core curriculum uh, with cooking and uh, live, daily living skills and the world of work. So there's all kinds of different things that, you know, happen during the school day that really impact the kids, I, I believe, in a positive way. And a lot of things that we do that a lot of other places um, can't do just because, the, you know, we have, do have our um, – dormitories and they have the wonderful facilities over there to um, work on daily independent living skills and then we also have the transition dorm and the and the independent living dorm as well which no one else in the state has that so um, I, I think that you know we can build upon what we've got and really toot our own horn when it comes to those those kind of things because I think we, we do it um, really well mm-hmm. you know and do it better than anybody else I have heard from from several people that um when kids come in or they're or they're leaving at the end of the day or whatever that oftentimes that 
you're in the lobby welcoming kids coming in um you know telling them you know have a good day as they leave in the afternoon or whatever and and i think that that involvement with kids not just sitting in an office with the door closed but i think that involvement with kids so they actually know who the 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 principal is who 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 is that and that that person likes to have them and likes them i think that's really important it's a little thing but i think it's a big deal with kids um i you know i have two children of my own i have two girls one's almost 11 and almost seven so you know coming from a dad's perspective it's not like i said it's not hard to be good to kids so i try to be here every morning by seven fifteen. Uh, the buses start unloading at 7.15, and I want to, you know, hand-receive those kids every morning and say, good morning, John, good morning, Susie, I hope you have a great day. If you need anything, come and see me. I'm glad you're here, or whatever, just to try to set the tone for the rest of the day. The bus driver, our bus drivers do a wonderful job with our children. They, uh, we have bus drivers from Oldham, Shelby, you know, Jefferson counties, uh, surrounding counties, uh, that that brings uh, day students in. Those people do an amazing job, and the best monitors as well to help to help set the tone for the day. Because those, you know, those are the first people the kids see in the morning, and they're the last people they see in the evening. So to have to have that positive effect on kids is wonderful too. But I also think that it's important when they get here on campus that they have a smiling face, that they have, you know, that when they get off the bus. And and if I'm in a meeting or if I can't be there in the morning, we have our paraprofessionals. They come, and then also our instructional coach. Um, uh, Christine Hill, she's also out there and um, greeting them and welcoming them to campus every morning. Now in the evenings, I'm, I <laughs> try to get there um, <laughs> to see them off every evening as well. The mornings are a little bit easier. The evenings sometimes sure. are uh, art meetings or um, faculty staff meetings. So I try my best to get you know to send them home on a positive note every evening as well. So. They're just wonderful. They're great. <laughs> I love them. I mean, it sounds it sounds corny, but it's it's just that's just how it is. They're just the best students. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, they just get in your heart, and that's just all there is to it. I mean, I can't explain it any other way. It's mm-hmm. it's very it's not difficult to love them. <laughs> it's very easy actually because mm-hmm. they're they're a lovable bunch of kids all the way from kindergarten all the way through you know summer 21 and they're great um but i mean you know i had i have to take special requests for candy in my office because you know some people like hershey's kisses and some people want reese's cups oh my goodness you know make with with some of the high school kids i've had to you know go to the store and make sure that i keep it stocked because if i don't i'll get to hear about you know (laughs) mr parsons you're not where's my candy at you're not having it for me today or or something like to that effect and we we get along great and i and i I was always a, a preschool and an elementary uh, special ed person mm-hmm. in early childhood. Mm-hmm. So the high school and middle school has been a new new experience for me, and I have I have just fallen in love with it. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. So well, it's, it's, it's been really positive for me, and I think it's been positive for them because we, you know, I go I, I'll go do lunch duty, or I'll go over eat lunch with them and, and sit, and I'll go see them for breakfast, and then in the evenings if it's you know sometimes you have a rough day at work. Some days are easier than others, and some days are you know not so much. And uh, my respite for me to help sharpen my saw and to get back into the groove is is I go over in the dorms in the evening, and they'll um, over in the independent living dorm they'll be cooking dinner, and we'll talk about what they're cooking and get to see you know salmon 
patties being made and macaroni and cheese and all kinds of wonderful things they're cooking over there and and then they'll invite you in to eat with them and it's just it's wonderful i mean it's it's great just to spend time with them and talk to them and because you know they're giving a lot of their selves being here their parents are entrusting them with us Mm -hmm. to take care of them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know i just like i said during the during the christmas uh celebration the holiday celebration last week you know i i said I, i just there are kids, and some parents were sitting there, and, and I was like, I mean, they're your kids, but they feel like they're our kids <laughs> to me and to everybody here because, yes. I mean, we have such a caring staff. They just they love them and they mm-hmm. take care of them, and, and it's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's a great environment. The kids are, the kids are the best though. They make the they make the day worthwhile. It's great. Well, and that's why the school is there is to help the kids. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the whole point. That's why I tell people. I say, you know, we don't have a job unless these kids are mm-hmm. taken care of and treated wonderfully mm-hmm. <laughs> just and like with the with the dinner situation I was going back yeah. to the dinner situation we mm-hmm. we have the um national school um feeding program for breakfast and lunch but there's not a there's not currently not a program available for dinner we're we're looking into that and um wanting to uh, try to do that but in the meantime to fill the gap we you know we're we're in trying to um ensure the kids had a great dinner every evening and uh we're getting uh items catered from different different places we were able to to procure um procedure of thing from the state to um to get that done for the kids so whether it be you know uh kroger cooking dinner and bringing it in or um you know another local wow. thing that's what the kids get to enjoy usually they have pizza on on sunday night when they come in mm-hmm. uh as a celebratory thing you know starting the week off mm-hmm. and so and then they also like with the rec schedule they get to go to the mall they'll go out to eat at the mall and uh go to they go to the movies and i think the last thing they saw was pete's dragon so i mean they get to you know there's all kinds of uh, great things they get to do in the dorm it, it's it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I enjoy it over there with them. <laughs> well, and and you know, it, it you uh, you've certainly been supportive of of the sports program, yes. and we have a lot of things coming. Tell us about some of the upcoming events that are happening in sports. Well, uh, you know, track and field ran from September till October, and you know, we had the Bill Roby Games here on campus, which was wonderful. I never attended. Uh, but I did get to attend this year, and I thought, well, they said, you know, go down and check it out, see what you think. And I was like, okay, I'll go down for, you know, 30 minutes, an hour or something, just like I thought with the alumni dinner. I thought I'll go down there and just, you know, <laughs> talk to them for a little, and ended up five hours later. Yes. Um, and so You were an alumni yeah. till 9, 30, 10 at yeah. night. Yeah. And, and so, what people, we didn't tell people. Or maybe you did, but anyway, to be sure they know, our listeners, Tristan lives in Lexington. He doesn't, your family is not in Louisville, it's in Lexington. So when you're talking about being here at 7.15 in the morning or being an alumni uh, until 9.30, 10 o'clock that night, um, it's not like you just left and went across the street and you were home, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just hour and a half away. No big yeah. deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the uh, but we like the Bill Robbins, so I thought I'll go down there and, and say hello to everybody and enjoy it. Is I mean the day was absolutely gorgeous, sunshine, oh, it was. a light wind, no rain in sight, and I mean it was it was great for mm-hmm. um, for October twelfth. I mean that was that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So and it was packed. I mean we had Ohio there, Tennessee, Indiana, and Kentucky. Everybody was there, mm-hmm. um, and and so I thought you know like I said I'll go check it out and see what's going. You know, well, at 2 o'clock, 2.30, when everybody's packing up, I'm still down there and just having a wonderful – I mean, the kids, they were – those children, I mean, they just did wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. They did amazing. The staff mm-hmm. were was amazing, not just here, but at all the other schools. Mm-hmm. And so friendly and just, you know, meeting with each other. And I got to talk to the principals from the other schools and networking. And just it was just a great opportunity for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the track and field, awesome. If anybody's ever uh, wants to come and watch it, I would totally recommend it. Uh, and then, you know, goalball runs from October to November. And March, March 8th, we're going to have the annual uh, Little North Central goalball championships here in Louisville, mm-hmm. which that's on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then wrestling and cheerleading uh, kick started in December and will run through um, January. And then the annual uh, Little North Central wrestling and cheerleading championships is going to be here in Louisville on March 8th on the same time for the goalball. <laughs> and then the swimming and forensics will start in March and run through April mm-hmm. till the end of April. Uh, and uh, March 8th will be the uh, swimming championship in Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, North Central again uh-huh. here in Louisville. For the little kids. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And then the Mar- March 15th will be the Ohio Swim Clinic Invitational in Columbus at the Ohio School for the Blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, April 12th, the Indiana Invitational Day Meet in Indianapolis at mm-hmm. I- ISB. Mm-hmm. And April 28th and 29th is a two-day annual NCASB conference championship back in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And KSB is going to all of these, which Correct. is wonderful. Yes. And also, and we don't we have the um, we also have the wrestling and cheerleading championships for the uh, middle school and high school kids again here in January, don't we? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Here, here at school. Yeah. What are the dates of that, Tristan? Do you have those dates uh, that there? That is the January 27th and 28th. Okay. And so if people want to come out to that, the, that, mm-hmm. the activities will be in the gym, right? Yes. At the, mm-hmm. the Langen Gym yeah, on the campus. Be, it's, a, it's, a pretty big, it's a pretty big to-do, I believe. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome that we get yes. to host it. So yes. that, that's an honor right there to, to show everybody what we got. So. Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> that it was coming back this soon. It was here, I think, two or three years ago. And yeah. so I think that we just yeah. did such a wonderful job at it, they wanted to come back. Oh, I think so, I'm sure. So, I'm that's sure. That's my thoughts. <laughs> so, and I'll bet you'll be right there. I will be right there that weekend. Right. We'll be working it. Right. And if anybody wants to come down and volunteer or help, we'll be glad to take anybody help or just to come and watch and support the kids that they would love it tristan let's jump to one more thing that i know uh, several people i'm going to get phone calls and people are going to say what do you know about this and i'm going to say probably well not a whole lot but mm-hmm. um so you can tell me what i'm going to know okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll hear it right now and that is there's always a lot of 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 concern and questions over our kids learning to read braille mm-hmm. our kids who need braille learning braille um and some, there are some people who think every child that has a vision impairment should be learning Braille. That is, that does not happen in today's world. That is a, that is an arc. That you know, that's an arc decision. Correct. Uh, that is not, you know, Tristan's decision, or it's not no. a teacher's decision. That's an arc decision, mm-hmm. um, and that means that that's that's made by um, the parents, the um, teachers involved, um, and 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 that is the. Those things are done once a year, and that guides what you'll be teaching the children, mm-hmm. um, that particular child. And that's that's true throughout special education, mm-hmm. not just the Kentucky School for the Blind, but that's no. that's that's across federal. the country. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a federal thing. But uh, kids come to KSB who need Braille. Maybe they've learned it in the past. Maybe they haven't. Um, do you see um, there's been some concern that maybe there's not as much Braille or hasn't been as much Braille instruction as maybe there should have been I have heard that that that's being enhanced can you can you shed some light on that 
Yes, we, you know, we really made a push to ensure that the children that have, um, you know, Braille goals or Braille minutes within their IEP, those are being met. We have mm -hmm. a person that is dedicated just for Braille instruction. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the classroom teachers also supplement Braille instruction in the classroom mm -hmm. and also provide the accessibility piece with Braille materials, uh, you know, whether it be Braille, large print, um, or using JAWS or uh, any other type of um, mm -hmm. uh, technology to gain accessibility to the curriculum or materials needed. So uh, we also have a Braille production uh, person here on campus that takes orders for um, items to be uh, brailled and um, provided to students in the classroom or teachers for instructional purposes. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to, you know, hit it from all directions to ensure that that accessibility piece is there and that, that children that need the Braille have access to it and, you know, can get remediation in it if they're not where they need to be and to keep moving forward with it. Right, right. Well, we really appreciate you taking time to be with us on Soundprints today. We produce this program uh, just about every week throughout the year and want to invite you that any time that there is something new, different, just something that you think is newsworthy or you would like to share with everyone to just kind of say, oh, hey, look, this is what KSB is doing. You know, please feel free to contact us. I'd love to have you back on Soundprints. I'd like for you to be a real, um, you know, a, a, a recent, you know, a real timely guest on, on Soundprints. And happen. be with us often. Yeah, we'd love it. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And it's wonderful for our listeners to have a chance to meet you. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. I appreciate the invitation. Page three. We are pleased to have Mr. Tony Stevens. He's uh, Director of Governmental Affairs with the American Council of the Blind. And he's going to be talking to us about accessibility, cable accessibility, and there's been some new legislation that's been put into place. So welcome, Tony. We're excited to hear about your talk. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Tony Stevens. I'm Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs with the American Council of the Blind here in Washington, D.C. We're part of ACB's. Uh, we have a small core group of folks in our national office. Myself and Eric Bridges are, is our executive director. I took Eric's place about this time last year. It's been about a year this weekend uh, that I started with ACB. Uh, but I've been doing advocacy for about 25 years now on different social justice issues and been blind myself. Been legally blind since birth and totally blind since 15. Uh, one of the things that uh, we'll be talking about today and sharing with you is some news that's been going on. It's definitely one of the more hot topics that we're getting calls with in our national office around uh, some recent regulations that went into effect for the cable industry. <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what exactly led to this point where we're at now and then some of the things that you should be looking for as, as consumers for people that have cable. Uh, or anybody really that has television for that fact. Um, and then I uh, can share just a little bit of news too and, and uh, you know, if anyone has any other questions on any other subjects uh, pertaining to just things going on in Washington right now. Uh, so it, it all goes back, uh, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the Americans with Disabilities Act that was passed 26 years ago uh, in, uh, in 1990. Uh, since that time, there was a lot of improvements and advancements in technology and digital communications 
really was an infant child when the ADA was passed. The internet was still mostly reserved for universities. Uh, but then in the first half of this century, uh, there was an effort to try to get audio described television put uh, onto uh, television so that folks could get to have described audio uh, for their programs and things they watched, similar to some of the VHS tapes and DVDs that were including it during the 1990s. Uh, that was squashed pretty quickly in the early, uh, in around 2002, uh, by industry. They pushed back, and the FCC uh, was going to come out with a regulation and then caved. Uh, that put advocates together. Eric Bridges, our executive director, was one of the key advocates uh, in 2010 to push for Congress to pass the what was called the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which is called the CVAA. This is, was the piece of legislation that gives us now what audio description we have on televisions for folks that uh, might have a chance to check out some of that programming on primetime television. Currently, uh, there are four, I believe, in the Louisville market. I believe Louisville to be included in the top 60 markets in the country. So there will be, uh, uh, there, there currently is, as you may know, uh, for those that, that listen on television, uh, some programming on the primetime hours. There's five hours a week for the main networks. And then the top five cable channels also have to do about five hours a week of programming as well. One of the issues that came up, though, with the, the ability for the audio description was the problem that, well, that's all great that we have audio description, but with these cable boxes nowadays, they're so, so by golly, uh, technical. Uh, you know, the old joke of VCRs in the 80s was that, you know, you had to have a PhD to understand the manual. The same was kind of true for folks that had their cable boxes. And trying to get to the buttons alone to turn on the audio description was a major issue. Uh, so one of the things in the CVAA that was also passed was that cable manufacturers and television manufacturers, anybody that basically makes any device that carries a television program through it, a broadcast cable television program, has to be made with an accessible interface. Now, what this means is that it has to have audio uh, that can be text-to-speech, that can help you navigate through it, and there needs to be a simple button on the remote, all these things to basically make the usability of the accessibility features for audio description, but just the general use of these devices as well for folks that do like uh, video recording or trying to find out what's on the, on the schedule. Uh, these need to be made accessible. The deadline for that was December 20th, 2016. So there was a lot of uh, leading up to this time, uh, ACB has been working closely and consulting with uh, a wide number of the cable providers around the country as well as some of the television manufacturers. We've had meetings with Samsung and LG, which are two major manufacturers over the years, uh, to really give input and, and help provide sort of a, a pathway moving forward to make their devices accessible for consumers who are blind. We know that our numbers are going to double over the next 10, 12 years and believe that we're a growing market share that deserves the equal rights and uh, to have access to, to essentially what is this sort of iconic part of American life that everyone talks about around the water cooler on Mondays, what happens Sunday night on show X, Y, or Z. Now, uh, as it pertains to uh, these devices, uh, I'm not sure what cable companies we can, we can ask around the group who your manufacturers are. Uh, but there were no real specific guidelines on how you were supposed to get from A to B, from not accessible to accessible. So every manufacturer kind of went about it a different way. Comcast took the lead. They have a, a vice president, a leadership position dealing just with accessibility, a guy named Tom Lukowski, who is blind himself. 
And they, they took the lead and a couple of years ago came out with an accessible uh, device. Uh, I don't know if Comcast is in Louisville or not, but uh, it's received good favorable attention. Uh, other ones that have done so are Verizon. Um, uh, recently uh, did a soft, if anyone has Fios, the Verizon cable, uh, it's already, without even getting a new box, uh, for a lot of folks with Comcast, they had to upgrade. It was a free upgrade um, to get their new device. But with Fios, uh, it was it was overnight. When your computer was going to sleep, uh, on your, or you're not your computer, but your cable box, it updates, and then it was an, there's an automatic update built into that system. Uh, the Time Warner Cable is one of the larger cable providers in the country. They have uh, are recently been purchased by Charter Communications, which is another large cable company, and Charter owns Spectrum and Bright House and a number of smaller uh, but mid-market cable markets. Uh, that company has done a, a variety of solutions to try to reach uh, its consumers, depending on what brand of Charter you have, determines what your solution is, and that's had a few hiccups. Uh, AT&T, U-verse, Direct, who owns DirecTV, DirecTV is accessible, uh, and, and AT&T, unfortunately, we're getting a lot of complaints and have brought those complaints to the FCC. Uh, all that goes to say is that there's a large number of these companies that are kind of approaching the accessibility a different way. And we are currently at ACB in a role of taking feedback. So we would love to hear from anybody that, that has access to these devices, sighted or unsighted, anybody can go in in theory and turn them on or request, uh, you know, to have the accessible devices. Um, and, uh, and our hope is that we, we can get some feedback to help uh, in sort of any changes that need to be made, because uh, we definitely know with a couple of them, some folks did great coming out of the gate, other folks not so much. Who are the major cable providers in Louisville? I apologize for not knowing. Time Warner is one of them. There's a couple. There's myself and another gentleman tomorrow that's going to be, they're coming out to our house to get mm -hmm. things set up with the new boxes. So... Uh, you'd like to hear from us maybe next week on how it went. Is that what you're saying? We would, yeah, we'll be curious. One of the solutions Time Warner has been doing is giving a tablet, a Samsung tablet to people and asking them to download their app, uh, which is TWC. Uh, it's, a, it's a, basically a TWC app. They've also been in Florida and other places around the country, been giving people a free laptop computer that they're supposed to watch it on. We've had a, we've had difficulty in people not communicating with other people. We, we folks have already been receiving the devices. We receive them in the office to test them, and have actually been having some tech troubles uh, that we're trying to work out. But, uh, one of the issues that you'll find, just to give you a heads up for Time Warner folks, is that one. My understanding is this is a temporary solution. Eventually, everything will fall under one umbrella. They're still going through a merger now: Spectrum, Time Warner, and Charter. Uh, they're still all coming together, and, and everything is going to be under one solution uh, that is that is a software solution on what's called the cloud, which is kind of where the Internet exists outside of your home through networks. Um, the problem with these computers you're going to find, unfortunately, is that they're not, we've received complaints that they're not carrying through audio description. We've already let them know about this, but uh, you're, you're unfortunately not going to be able to watch audio description. Uh, if you use the laptop option, um, so that might be something to uh, to discuss with them and raise it and and, and show a, a concern that that you know you think that's that's not necessary that it's a bad solution. That's that's the message we're trying to push out here. 
Um, I can't imagine them giving laptops out for too long because this is going to be not, it's, it's definitely not the most cost-effective way to go about um, managing this issue. When other companies have been able to come up with basically software solutions that happen with no hardware at all that needs to change. Um, so, so hopefully they'll take heed to that. So, so if, if I cannot um, get audio description tomorrow with the laptop, should I call um, ACB and um, let let them know? Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Let us let us know, and we're we're definitely forwarding those complaints on, and and are in communications with with any other folks. If anyone has AT and T um, or any other issues with any other carriers, because AT and T has not really offered any solution right now for anyone that doesn't have a mobile smartphone. You can use an iPhone app. But it's pretty clear that a lot of people in our membership don't have iPhones because they're expensive and data plans are expensive. So, um, and we shouldn't have to go buy one just in order to get access to our remote control for the for the accessible TV. Um, so I would definitely I would definitely talk to them and try to you know let them know that, and then let us know and we'll we'll we will echo that to senior leadership. But it, it, our hope is that if it's coming from customers on the bottom end. And then if it's coming from advocates here in Washington to their general counsel and their lawyers here in D.C., um, it'll resonate and, and expedite the process quicker to get a better solution for Time Warner customers. Well, this is Debbie Dethridge again. My question is, what are we supposed to be able to access? I know everything may not work right now, but what are some of the things that we're supposed to be able to access with these laptops or applications? So it depends on kind of the way the devices are set up and TVs and cable boxes sometimes will have a lot of bells and whistles and then you can add more bells and whistles onto it. In theory, anything that comes out of the box, if there's a, let's say, um, any TV made after last couple weeks ago, uh, they'll have Netflix on them. And even, uh, I understand one of the cable providers has also put a Netflix app, so you have these app type which are software little programs on the devices themselves. When you get the device you loaded up, it should be able to read you the channel guide, telling you what the channel is, what you can go to and choose. Um, it should be able to read to you uh, like the DVR to be able to set some basic functions and tell you if there's audio description available for that. Uh, usually you'll get a little bit of data with whatever the show is. It might say, um, you know, like, um, I, I, I wish I have two young children, so I watch not much primetime TV. It's all kid shows. Um, but let's say, uh, I'll just throw out there Sesame Street, which is popular in our house right now. Um, so it'll say Sesame Street, uh, closed caption, audio described, um, and it'll let you know that type of stuff. Uh, it, it should be able to feed through that, that basic information that you, you will have on the display um, when it pulls up and pops up on the screen for the sighted person to see. Um, if if they're, the boxes are set up to have other apps put on them, uh, meaning once you get it out of the box, whatever comes in it is supposed to be it's supposed to be able to read. But let's say I decide to put on um, maybe a, a cooking application that lets me watch online stream cooking shows that are on the internet, and I can have that in my collection of of, uh, of apps along with my regular cable programming. That stuff is not required to be extensible, unfortunately. Uh, that gets into some other areas that we're working with the Department of Justice and trying to urge Department of Justice to make those type of programs also accessible. 
but those don't fall under the scope of this. But if it's if the manufacturer is putting anything on there, uh, the application and any of the basic data that's coming through, the, the standard data that comes through, you should be able to access. Hi, I'm Lisa McEwen. So you're talking about the cable companies. What if you heard from like the satellite providers like DirecTV and Dish? I have DirecTV in my house. Uh, we have three or four receivers in our house. I tried turning it on a description. I can't see if it works. Are there apps that I can use with it for accessibility? DirecTV, um, I, I haven't gotten any complaints from Dish, so I can't comment on Dish. It's kind of like we find out through the complaints or through finding out, um, you know, what's accessible and what's not. But we haven't had anybody test Dish. Um, DirecTV should be accessible, and you should be able. It in theory, let's hope this because uh, AT&T, who owns DirecTV now, has not. We've had some issues with them since the twentieth. Um, they're actually telling people to go to DirecTV if they want accessible, but that's an extra charge up, and you got to have satellite dishes installed. Uh, DirecTV is supposed to be accessible. If your box currently is not accessible, my understanding is they're supposed to swap that out with no additional charge and give you a new accessible box if, let's say, you have an older device that doesn't have the accessibility feature installed on it already. Um, there is a, uh, a, a AT&T accessibility number for customers, you know, accessibility issues. Um, I can forward that to you, Carla, if you'd like. It's very simple. It's 800-288-8303. That's 800-288-8303. And I've been just basically telling people to go to that number and try to see if you can talk to if you have trouble with regular customer service not knowing, because we've had complaints a lot with folks calling and uh, memos or whatever from management have not trickled down to the, the new person that was maybe on vacation over the holidays and came back to work um, as a customer service representative on a junior level, but he's the person you get stuck with on the phone when you're calling. Um, and, and so uh, in that sense, uh, if you're running into areas, I would recommend calling the ATG facility, but they should be able to swap out any equipment without any extra charge. Tony, this is Carla. Um, we had a committee meeting a couple nights ago, and one of the people who attended that meeting uh, said that <laughs> another story that was coming out of Spectrum was that uh, if if they wanted to wait until after what, January 20 or whatever, that uh, they could get this box, but if they wanted it before, then they could get the box, but that they would need to pay for it. Can, and my response was, I didn't think there could be any extra charge for the accessibility. Am I, am I incorrect on that? You are correct. We as people with disabilities should not be paying more for what should be statutorily the same right as what we deserve. Um, and that's, that's a complaint that, that we have as well. Uh, the box, so the problem that they have so many solutions they do have a good solution, my understanding is, in Missouri. So Spectrum in St. Louis has a cable box that's, that's there that is accessible. And I don't know if that's the box maybe they're telling you that will be ready by January 20th in Louisville. Um, but you shouldn't have to pay extra for that. So. Okay, so if anybody is told they have to pay extra for the accessibility solutions, regardless of who the company is, um, then... Yeah. That, that is not, they shouldn't be doing that. And that would be something that you would want to hear about? 
Oh, we definitely would. Yes, that's what we would definitely want to hear about. If they're trying to make you pay more money, any questions on any other areas that, um, you know, Tony is a wealth of information while we've got him here. One real quick thing, Carla. Go ahead. So we, uh, on the subject, just because it's directly tied to the subject of audio described television, we continue to actively push for a rule that was going to be voted on in um, November. Uh, but because of the change in transition to a new administration, I was going from Democrat to Republican. Congress had sent in a letter putting a halt on regulatory changes that anything that might be controversial. Um, and and there was a rule that was going to be voted on that got sort of pushed to the side that would expand our, our audio description from five to seven hours a week. And instead of having five channels, it was 10 cable channels and one extra broadcast network. Uh, we are continuing to actively push the FCC toward that and trying to get that up for a vote soon. We'll continue to keep people posted, but hopefully if that goes through, then we'll begin to see even more uh, description, audio description. Another thing to share with everybody is that next week, anybody that gets tired of sitting on their couch and watching television, starting on next, let me do my math, 10, 11, 12, starting next Saturday, so if you have nothing to do Saturday night after this Saturday night, if it's not snowing, uh, go to your local movie theater, and if they if they have to describe audio description devices, uh, they are required by law, starting on January 15, to maintain those so that they'll be up to date uh, to the point where they're working, and that staff will be trained in using them. And in 18 months as well, uh, any theater that doesn't currently have these devices to, to provide you uh, audio described uh, programming during a movie, uh, theaters will be obligated if they have a digital movie screen, if they have digital theaters, which most do now, um, it's pretty standard now for the industry, uh, they will have to provide you with, um, uh, you know, you'll be able to get an audio described device. So that's good news as well for folks that want to get off their couch and go watch a movie. Uh, there were some recent regulations that the Department of Justice pushed out uh, just a few weeks ago that, that tied directly to that. And so we're excited about that as well. And with the new expansion for audio described television, we are continuing to push the FCC to vote on that as well. So uh, there is a lot more audio description out there than there used to be uh, you as well for folks that get like um, iTunes or download movies from the internet. Uh, each day, like Netflix and, and then mainstream motion pictures are continuing to put online as well, audio described programming. So we have a website at acb.org slash ADP for our audio description project. Um, anybody that, that uh, likes to spend time on the computer, feel free to check that out. It's acb.org slash ADP, and it'll give you a wealth of information on all things audio described, let you know what programs, about the cable companies and broadcasters and, and manufacturers of devices. Uh, so that's that's all promising there. So. I would think that you would want to hear in the national office both if there's a good experience and if there's a, a bad experience, that you'd want to know both sides of the coin. We do. They can call. We're, we're getting so many calls that I'm thinking about trying to how we could maybe set up a hotline. Um, <laughs> we almost call, need one, I think. Uh, and leave me a voicemail. Uh, they can leave me a voicemail. Um, or they can uh, also uh, email advocacy at acb.org. Advocacy at acb.org. Okay. Um, and those are two ways to reach out to us. Um, but we are. I'm surprised at how many calls we're getting. So um, I wish I said we had the staff standing by at any minute to talk to you about your experiences. 
um, uh, but don't don't be upset if you get put in voicemail uh, just because we're a small office and, and we're very busy the next couple of weeks getting ready for the new administration. But that doesn't mean we're not listening to you. The toll number that you can call if you have toll free, uh, if you have unlimited long distance, um, you know, from the treasurer's standpoint and ACB, try to use the toll number, please, because but, then we don't have we don't pay, right. pay for the line. It's two zero two four six seven. 5081 202-467-5081 if you do not have free long distance then it's 800-424-8666 800-424-8666 and um, as Tony says you will find that first of all the when the line answers it'll ask if you want Spanish or English and so you choose one for English and um, and then you can find from there the staff directory which is number two and and you can choose Tony uh, Tony Stevens's um, voicemail from there and and Tony is right it is a small staff we only have four staff people in that office so um, they have so many things going on that they may not be able to personally um, take every single call that comes in but we really do, ACB really does need to know, Tony and Eric both, need to know what's going on out here because the, unless we tell them, they don't know what's happening in Louisville or they don't know what's happening in another city or another state from, from where they are. So it's very, very important that we let them know both good things and bad. Any other questions? Well, thank you very much, Tony, for your time. This has been a great presentation, and uh, look forward to working with the cable companies and see what they have. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Page four, the Sound Prince calendar. On January 10, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will hold its next meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Boggess at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. January 13 is the next GLCB roundabout at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. On January 14, the Greater Louisville Council will hold a board meeting at 11 a.m. by conference call at 605-475-6006, code 294444. On January 15, the KSB Alumni Association will hold a board meeting at 8 p.m. And on January 16, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its board of directors meeting at 7.30 p.m., by conference call at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. The Tri-State Library users will hold an in-person dinner meeting on January 17, Tuesday, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Clifton Pizza on Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. For more information, contact Bill Wright, Tri-State President, at 502-893-0879. The quarterly meeting of the Office for the Blind Statewide Rehabilitation Council, SRC, is scheduled for Friday, January 20 at the McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Contact Jennifer Wright with the Office for the Blind at 
564-4754 for details. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold a roundabout on Friday, January 20, from 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. And GLCB invites everyone to a dine-out on Saturday, January 21 at Frisch's Restaurant on Shelbyville Road in Louisville. The time is to be announced. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up for both events. And January 23 will be the first meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana meeting for the new year. This is a membership meeting and will be at 7 p.m. by conference call. The number is 605-475-6006, code 294444. On January 25, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its next peer support group meeting from 12 noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call 859-259-1834. And January 27 is the last roundabout of the month. For more information on roundabouts, call 502-895-4598. Looking ahead, the American Council of the Blind, Board of Directors Meeting, Affiliate President's Meeting, and Legislative Seminar will be held in Alexandria, Virginia, February 24 through February 28. Details are now available on the ACB website at www.acb.org. The 56th Annual ACB Conference and Convention is taking place in Reno, Nevada from June 30 through July 7. Make sure you receive all convention updates by subscribing to the ACB Convention email list. Send a blank message to acbconvention-subscribe at acblists.org or visit the ACB website homepage at www.acb.org and follow the email lists link. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.